Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for episode 10 of the Family Business Podcast. Today, we are in the studio of Hagemeyer Fine Photography, and I have Cheryl Hagemeyer and Kathy Wilhelm here. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank Thanks you for, for having us. We appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. So what, what we kind of first do on the podcast is we talk about how the business got started. So, you know, it's always fun to hear how these businesses get started and um, where the individual or the family was at kind of in that time when it got started. So what is the origin story of Hagemeyer Fine Photography and kind of what inspired um, it's been 35 years. I don't know if we can remember back that far. Well, probably, well see, you're at the point where you can kind of like change it to whatever you want. You know? <laughs> this is a much better story. <laughs> what really happened? Yeah. <laughs> um, really, it, it goes back to when I was in high school and I um, saved up money and bought my first 35 millimeter camera and photographed for like, you know, the, the senior class trip and that kind of thing. And um, I, was, I was down between, I was thinking about architecture or accounting, and this photography interest kind of took over, and I checked out the Ohio Institute of Photography in Dayton. Okay. Um, and that's where I ended up going. The first day in class, they said, who's never processed a roll of film? And two of us raised our hands, and we, I didn't know anything, really. Um, which turned out to kind of be a good thing because I didn't have any bad habits at the same time. Yeah. So uh, graduated from there. The first job out of college I took um, with a company in Danville, Illinois. Okay. Called Sudlow Photography, and I was traveling around the country. I was in maybe 15 states or so, um, photographing college headshots. So I did 10,000 okay. headshots for. We did Finley University, Capital University. We were in Oklahoma, uh, wow. New Orleans. We were all over photographing college headshots. So. That was like a six-month temporary job, and um, I decided to not do that a second time. Six months in the suitcase was long enough for me, so I, I declined continuing on with that job. And then I ended up at a photography studio in Finley where I started to shoot weddings. Okay. Um, I, I, I think I was there less than a year. I don't really remember how long I worked there. But um, at that point, a photographer had left Bowling Green, and another couple had a photography studio, and they, he, they were leaving. He was a prof at the university. And he had taken a job in Georgia, so um, mm -hmm. they were leaving. And I worked there over the summer, kind of helped them close down, finish shooting. He moved before she did, so I helped her finish shooting weddings. And then she helped me open up, which was invaluable. I mean, you know, it, yeah. it's good to have that in your back pocket when you're starting it fresh. Mm -hmm. So I was 20 when I signed my first lease, turned 21 two weeks after. Um, <laughs> and so they helped me, you know, open up, and they left town, and... Um, then I went to a seminar that our lab put on in Chicago and okay. came home all fired up with a bunch of ideas on what we, <laughs> what we could do. And she had just had twins. Her twins are 36 now, <laughs> but she had had twins and we're working more hours than you wanted to basically. So I said, you need to quit your job and come work with me and we can do this and this and this and this. <laughs> and then, um, you know, nothing was decided at that point. And then like a month or two later, she called up and said, well, I quit my job and I'm going to come work with you. And I'm like, you did what? <laughs> I can't support your family. <laughs> so, um, but she did, you know, she did. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, we did enter it with raw skills 
but had to learn a lot about the business and the industry. Um, but I think we were very fortunate that a three-generation family in the industry in Columbus mm -hmm. um, sat down with us and spent time talking about how do you be in business with your family? Mm -hmm. How do you make this industry roll in a, in a family? Yeah, and they were generous business. enough to invite us to, to Columbus a few, two or three times. Yes. Just like for a weekend, they'd invite like 10 people in that they wanted to mentor basically yep. and, and kind of teach the ropes and that kind of thing. And we were fortunate enough that they chose us to do that. So that was invaluable as well. Yeah. And the, the student, the photographer that I had heard um, in Chicago was also another Columbus photographer. So not the same family, but a, a different Columbus photographer. Columbus was a really big area for photography in the country at that point. So. And we entered the industry at a sweet spot. Mm -hmm. It was about ready to take off to really the height of being able to, in a small business environment, make a good living, okay. creating images. Mm -hmm. um, the digital camera was not there yet. Cameras on cell phones were not there yet. Mm -hmm. Everything was film-based. Even amateurs needed to put the film in the, in the envelope, send it away, yeah. wait a week, and come back, and then hope you have something, and try to figure out at that point what mistake did I make. Um, so the learning curve was much different. But we came in at a really great point when because the industry was creating revenue, it also meant that new ideas and innovation were everywhere. Mm -hmm. And how to market and how to create and what products. Everything was exploding because everybody wanted to be in on this industry that was on the upswing. And at that point, it wasn't an industry where you just jumped in and you just went no, to the camera right. and jumped in. No. I mean, there yeah. was, mm -hmm. you know, with film, if you didn't if you didn't know what you were doing, it wasn't going to, yeah. you know, I think film had like a three stop. Um, you could be three stops off, or I'm sorry, with, yeah, with film, you could be like three stops off. With digital, it's much more close. Mm -hmm. But with film, you send it away and you had no idea for two weeks whether you got anything or not. So, mm -hmm. and it cost you money. Every time you did this with the camera, it cost money with film. Yeah, you, you had a certain days. amount that you could mm -hmm. yeah, just, yeah, you can't just click, click, click. Yeah, right. But we started at the beginning when I came to join Cheryl. The first senior order that we wrote up was less than $100. And I remember going home and pushing my kids on the swing thinking, we're not going to eat. <laughs> and then thinking, no, our family had always been taught that you work hard, you dig in, you apply the grit, and you make it happen. And that's what we did. And then in 10 years, our, uh, our print lab was printing for 17,000 studios across the nation, yeah. like us, mm -hmm. and we ended up in their top, 10, top 2%. Oh, wow. So in 10 years, we were able to make that journey, but that's because we dug in, we decided together we were going to work as a team to make this move forward, and we, we put in what we had to do to make that happen. Which was another thing that really grew our business in that we were networking with, you know, it, it, he had 12 labs across the country, 17,000 studios, and actually I think the top one and a half percent is what went to the, was in that group. And so you were networking with amazing, ooh, sorry, amazing photographers all over the country. Yeah. Um, but. Along with that, he would bring speakers in from out of the industry. We would hear people from Coca-Cola or Disney or things that we never would have had an opportunity to, to hear other than that. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he sent us to amazing places and had those amazing speakers. And we got to network and form really close 
connections and friendships that we're still yeah. friends to this day with a lot of those people. And it was, you know, if, if you had a problem, you had people you could call. Someone across the country really knew the answer to that. So that was invaluable, too, for our, our learning curve and just growing the business. So mm -hmm. yeah. it, was, it was really a blessing. What kind of were the techniques or, like, things you guys did at that point? Or, like, what, what were you marketing to? What was your number one revenue stream that you, you really dug down on when you say, like, you got gritty about it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. High school seniors was really kind of the mainstay of where Cheryl wanted to put her focus when I joined her. And high school seniors is what was really exploding in the industry. And so we, I think part of what kind of the secret sauce to that success too is we both said, if we ever think we have this all figured out, we're probably done. Mm -hmm. So we made sure that we listened to and were mentored by people who were really good at doing that already. How do we market better to seniors? How do we shoot better for seniors? And spent a lot of time always learning, planning, reinventing the wheel to be a better wheel every single year. What didn't work? What could we do better? What can we provide? Um, and talking about strategy and all those things that made that part of our business grow to, to be independently, no contracts, over 400 seniors a year. So, um, you know, and, and that took, that took making sure that we were listening very carefully to and learning from people who were good at what they did. In many aspects of our business, we would go visit this studio for a day to see this one. We would go here to visit this one. I think part of the key at that point was that we were actually traveling to their actual business mm -hmm. locations. Mm -hmm. Instead of talking to them on the phone or watching them in a video, we were in their space. And we could say, what about this thing? How do you do that? Or why do you do this? Or why do you have your sales room set up this way? Mm -hmm. We could pick their brain in a more intimate level when we, we were in their space. And we had we a group that. of friends that we had met through the presidential circle, which was the group that we you know, were a part of. Um, and there were three couples, Kathy and I, and two couples that would travel. We went as far as California to visit studios across the country to learn from other people doing that. We were also shooting weddings at that point mm -hmm. um, for the first 10 or 15 years we photographed weddings. So that was um, another revenue stream. And when we fit, when we stopped shooting weddings, um, we talked to other people in this in the industry, some from our lab and otherwise, um, and set up a kids program. You know, okay. a lot of thought went into that program as well. So we kind of transitioned from weddings into a kids program, which we still do today. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I mean, I mean, that's a lot of time to invest to go somewhere else to learn like actually physically go there especially yeah, when a lot of fun though <laughs> <laughs> well i mean if you, want, you can definitely have fun and, and, and work at the same time right for sure and, and that's why we've done this for 35 years if you're not having fun you're not going to do something for 35 years yeah. Yeah. so um, you know i think very early on you got me something that said success is doing what you love and getting paid for it so you have to make a living right um but you also it's pretty important that you love what you do yeah. Well, and I think relationship and networking are vital to keeping a business's spark flaming and to keep you current and moving mm -hmm. forward and evolving. Mm -hmm. I personally, and, and every business, every personality type is different, so not everybody may learn that way or build on relationship, but I think the fact that we built relationships with those folks by being in their space for a day or two mm -hmm. at a time also expanded our network mm -hmm. and also deepened relationship 
so that we had a wealth of knowledge sitting there that we could tap into whenever we needed to. And I think every time we did that, it's pretty easy to get in your box, in your four walls, mm -hmm. and think that the way you're doing it is, is the only way to do it. Yeah. And then you visit somewhere else and you find all these awesome other ways to do it. You know, maybe be better than what, maybe you taught them something or maybe you found a better way to do something. So mm -hmm. it's I think it really has always been important that we went to convention and seminars and that kind of thing and studio visits. Um, yeah, just really made a big made an impact yeah. on the business. Mm -hmm. So like if, if you're someone out there that's kind of like in them four walls still, like just mm -hmm not looking at other people to see what they're doing maybe to improve themselves or, or maybe you guys were in the four walls and had a trouble maybe reaching out or, or mm -hmm. reaching out to that network that you have to, for a guidance and advice mm -hmm. do you have any advice for someone that is in that kind of spot like that doesn't reach out it doesn't network and doesn't look you know the other industry leaders in their their industry yeah um it's the industry has changed to the point. I mean, we were fortunate enough. The reason we ended up doing all that was because we were fortunate enough to be in that top one and a half percent, and mm -hmm. and that group kind of spurred all of that. Um, and it is probably a little tougher now. Um, some of the to be to be honest, some of the state organizations aren't what they used to be. Even yeah. the national organization has been hit some. Um, so. It probably, to be honest, is a little harder now than it was, but certainly you can, you can reach out locally and you know still make connections through. Kathy is in BNI. I mean, I guess that's a that's a, you know, only one photographer would be in that group, but um, certainly there are. It's important to try to find ways to reach out. There, are, I'm sure there are you know local photography clubs and that kind of yeah, thing that you yeah. can start with and, and go from there. Or in any industry, you're going to have trade shows and conventions and those kind of things. And it's very important mm -hmm. to invest some time there, not just to go and listen, but to go and try to meet other folk. Mm -hmm. And that means you have to sometimes step outside your comfort zone. Yeah. But I think if, if someone enters a room more interested in everyone else's story that's there instead of telling their own story, you are going to glean so much information. So if you go and ask people to tell them your, their business stories, you're going to learn from their experiences and they are going to love to share that with you. So yeah. that makes networking a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that sometimes people go into this all afraid that they have to talk about themselves. Honestly, everybody wants to talk about themselves. And if you ask that question, you are going to learn so much and start to build relationships because you build trust because they find out you really want to listen. Yeah, so that's yeah. the trick to that, right? But you're right. The BNI um, networking, Ben, you know, sharing that membership with you and that group, even though that is one category specific seat per person in the group, mm -hmm. it is still a very eclectic group of dynamic business and I have learned so much about ways that I can improve this business from out-of-network ideas that have come from my members in that group. Yeah. So that kind of network is valuable too. They may not be in the photography industry, but your industry experience in roofing or someone else's industry experience in insurance can help me in ways to be a better business. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of iron sharpens iron can be pretty rich too. And even yeah. though some of the local state and local organizations are not maybe what they used to be, there are a lot of opportunities that weren't around then, things online. There are a lot mm -hmm. of really good 
uh, Facebook groups and that kind of thing that there's information being shared daily and that that's kind of a cool thing about the industry it used to be like once a year in January you would go to conventions and you'd learn all that stuff and now I mean if you look at those groups you're there are things to pick up on a daily basis so mm -hmm. yeah point. yeah definitely I think yeah, technology has definitely made it I would say easier to, to learn from other people because right. there's so much content out there right. and in, in every niche there's a plethora and a deep library of content mm -hmm. I mean right. it could be photography commercial roofing every chiropractic whatever it is right. it's it, there's a lot of information yeah the pro we're we've always been members of the professional photographers of america and ppa has you know tons of educational videos if you just sit down on their site and start watching you'll learn mm -hmm. learn a whole bunch so mm -hmm. so like like technology's changing right oh my goodness <laughs> yeah. it never stops right <laughs> so obviously it's affected your your business in, in some way or or like, I remember a TV ad when I was little. It was a guy taking pictures, and it said, one of them is a dentist, and one's a photographer. And it's like, with the new autofocus, like, I really found the, the, the It's like, with the new autofocus camera, you can't tell the difference, right? They kind of made it seem like if you're just a dentist, you could take just right. as good photos as someone, like, if I came here, right? So it seems like that kind of, and then, like, the, I, like, I've heard people say, well, I got my iPhone. Like, why would I need it? go somewhere and obviously you guys have a brand because you have all these seniors year after year and and I mean that's just incredible locally to have that kind of pulling power and in, in something like this but how has technology affected Hagemeyer fine photography over the years and some obviously you were printing photos waiting and now it's so much different I can't imagine all the it's probably hard to keep up with all the changes yeah constantly I'll let you do that okay um we did start out in film. We were a film-based studio. Mm -hmm. We did watch the advent of digital enter our, our industry. Um, at one point, there were three formats that mm -hmm. might be used, and we right. were at seminars, and we were studying prints that were created off of these different platforms. Nobody knew which way the industry was going to go technology-wise. I mean, yeah. it was a crazy time. Nobody really knew what digital meant. There were no. several forms that it could have taken. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One was a laptop that attached to your camera. I mean, there was, oh, really? Yeah, oh, there were all kinds of things. No, it's not like we just went, here's the film camera, here's the digital camera. Yeah. There was a transition point where nobody was really sure, you know, even the people creating. That's when CDs were um, being demoed and nobody really knew what a CD was yet and it ended up going to CD storage and format but nobody yeah. knew what that was going to be. Are yet. you sitting here thinking, yeah, they are old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I mean, I used to play with cameras back, I mean, early 90s and late 90s but like we had CDs and then there's the film but, but even like, so when I was doing it, I had a CD camera and then an SD but then it went back to like a film camera. My, mm -hmm. So it was like, yeah, right to go back because it's like i feel yeah. like that's and when i was researching some industry stuff on the way uh, i was listening to some youtube videos and they they said they used to have mirrorless cameras back in the 90s and then everything went to mirrored cameras and now it's back to mirrorless cameras and right. it's like the same yeah. technology so it's crazy like same but improved same right but improved. so yeah so we always used we weren't going to be the first one that was going to jump mm -hmm. into that new stuff but we looked very carefully at what kind of quality can we provide to the client mm -hmm. when is benefit to client a higher ratio than staying with our current format 
Yeah. When is the print superior? When is the delivery system better? Those kind of things. So we use that as our sliding scale. When is this going to make an improvement to what we can do for the client? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we technology. Never, we never just jump to jump. Mm -hmm. We just, yeah, right. we always, we were always. We calculated. We were always fortunate enough to be in a situation where we could, we had that information at our hands. We could, we could look at prints and we could know at, the, at what point we were actually going to have a better product for the client. You could right. test, test things out. But we could. Right. Not so technology-wise, yes, it's continuing to evolve, continuing to change, and that means that we have to remake our business on a regular basis mm -hmm. in order to stay in step with what's the best thing for client. I think one thing that is a separator, two things that are separated for us. One is relationship. When you are part of a community for 35 years, when you are creating those family histories for generations, yeah. um, people look to you to continue to do that family record. People look to you to continue to create images that remind them of who their family really is. And we do create a brand, but relationship is at the foundation of that brand. So we have a lot of relationships here in Northwest Ohio with many, many families, and they look to us and they look to Cheryl and her talent to give them something more than what they're going to get um, in a lot of other photography situations. Yeah. Cheryl is going to make sure that she's capturing that at the highest quality that our brand always demands. And people expect that and appreciate that, and that's why they come here. So they do see a difference in the image that's being created with Cheryl's care and professionalism. And a lot of it is, from from what I hear from you saying in the sales room, a lot of it is expression that people will, will say, wow, you really captured my kid. Yeah. Um, and we're also providing heirloom finished prints that, mm -hmm. um, you know, to me, that's the most important thing that we're, well, one of the most important things that we're doing here. Um, to be able to, to provide prints to families that are going to last 100 years. If there's, there's a group called the Lost Generation. So many people aren't printing images anymore. And we wouldn't have those images of our grandparents and our great-grandparents if that if they hadn't been printed. And, you know, it's a fear that down the road, if people aren't printing, some of that family history is going to be lost. And so I, I think that is such an important part of what we do here is actually still providing physical heirloom prints. Um, and that's not something you're gonna get on your iPhone. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, it, it's just 35 years of experience behind the camera. I think people do see the difference. So. Um, and, and, and product was my number two. Relationship, mm -hmm. product, and then your, you know, your ability to capture people and um, and those products, you know, I have people say, well, I have all these digital images on a hard drive. I've got probably 10,000. Mm -hmm. My question is, will your kids ever look at 10,000 images? Or will they look at that number and go, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that? It's like a seven-second attention span. So yeah. They'll, they'll look at least one or two. And, <laughs> and, and will they? Will yeah. they go in or will they just be look at that as an undaunting task? Well, Whereas yeah. if, like that image behind you, Ben, yeah. whereas if that family image is hanging in your home, and you pass it every day in the hallway, and you are part of that family. There's actually research that says kids have a higher self-esteem in homes where family portraits are displayed mm -hmm. because they are part of the family unit, mm -hmm. and that is it. part of the art in your home. And so there is an impact there, and that's where that image becomes part of the family history because mm -hmm. it's part of what is displayed in the home every day. It's those touch points. We're creating touch points of memories along the way so that people have 
that um, ongoing recorded history that becomes what gets passed down. Yeah. And it won't it won't even necessarily be will they take the time to do that? Will they be able to access it? You can't access mm -hmm. a floppy disk. You can't. You can almost not access a CD these days. Yep. I mean, the the experts in the industry are saying the cloud someday will not be accessible. It's those the formats change. So not only will you take the time, but you you can't go back and look at that floppy disk now. Yeah, you know, it probably you won't be available to you. You're right. <laughs> to look you're at the floppy exactly disk. Right. Yeah. That's if right. you're not yeah. printing them, yeah. they probably won't be available to you. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something I think that's really cool about your guys' business is you have done, you know, being in the roofing industry and like my dad and uncle, they put a roof on 20 years ago. We just did uh, the day spring church again. again. Okay. And that was, we did it in 93, first mm -hmm. time, and then 2022 had to think of the right. year again so it's like when you're taking a photo of you know a mom and then her daughter and then mm -hmm. a grandma and you took all these photos of these people when they were right you know going throughout their life I think yeah. that's so cool it's like we've been photographing seniors whose parents we photographed their senior picture for yeah, years yeah, already incredible. but now we're starting to have grandparents come in and not not seniors yet but grandparents coming in and we're photographing the grandkids and the grandparents are telling me I did their senior pictures. So yeah, I mean, it's, that's just, it's, cool. it's incredible like, <laughs> yeah. to have that kind of, yeah. I mean, I mean, you just don't see that a lot in business. And, right. Yeah. And even if you're around that long, doesn't mean you, that that's going to happen either. It's you, right. you do your job really well and you're really good mm -hmm. at your craft. I mean, so obviously, so technology changed with the products or the, or rather the, uh, the cameras and stuff. And yeah. then also, like social media and all that others, like the way you have to market yourself has changed. Yes. So what are some things you guys have done throughout the years? Um, like obviously yellow pages used to be important. And right. Now, now that's, that was a whole afternoon appointment. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I was going through old marketing material from Technique Roofing and it was like, how to get the best yellow pages ad. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna need that one, but. I, I kept it oh, just in case. Yeah, I, history file. We have a history file for stuff like that. I have distinct memory of um, doing, you know, three three color printing where I would sit down on the kitchen table and you'd have to, you know, do the mock-ups this size and to shrink them down and you you know you were actually pasting wallets on the images and that kind of thing and we would have to provide that to the printer. That was to the marketing the pieces yeah. that we really? created. Yeah, there were there was a printer in Toledo that we used. Um, so that was yeah, it's changed a lot. Uh -huh. <laughs> We have all, the one thing that stayed the same, and then I'll talk about how it's different. The one thing that stayed the same is most of our marketing centers back to client base, word of mouth marketing. Mm -hmm. And we have taken a lot of our marketing dollars and given them back to our clients for referring what we do to other people, their family and friends. Mm -hmm. gotcha. And we've worked a lot with seniors in building a business because they refer us to their friends. And we take our marketing dollars and give it back to those clients who build our business. Gotcha. So that system has stayed the same. And that's where relationship-based is so important. Mm -hmm. We want to be part of those families. We want them to understand who we are. And that whole relationship starts with a one-hour interview with the senior and the parent. Yeah. Now, that has stayed the same over 35 years and that that's the core nugget. How those seniors market for us how they communicate to their friends, that has changed vastly over time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has been what's on their cell phone. 
kids would not read their email. Then email ended up on a cell phone. Now they read their email. They would never not answer a text. Now they hardly look at their text. Now everything is Snapchat. And you have to really understand where are these kids communicating today. There was one year about mm, four years ago now where I said to my senior crew members, my marketing crew, in how many contacts do you have on your cell phone? 500, 800. The next year, kids were telling me they had less than 10. That's how fast Snapchat took over the communication, the way that, that seniors communicate. And they said, well, I can't give you contacts because I only have 10 or 12 kids on there. I'm like, well, where are you talking and where are your contacts? So I, everything's Snapchat. Go to your Snapchat list. Let's, let's take a look at that. So we have to constantly be in step with how our kids talking to kids. And if, if we do that, then we're effective. Um, and if we show them how to reach out to their friends in, in the way that they are most comfortable, then it's effective. But the communication mode has changed a lot in 35 years, for sure. And that's, that's another important thing about being around for 35 years. You need to be willing and able and actually kind of enjoy pivoting like that. Mm -hmm. if, if that freaks you out, <laughs> you know, it's tough. Yeah. You, change is inevitable and especially if you're going to run a business for 35 years and I think you almost do have to kind of enjoy that change to keep loving what you're doing yeah, I mean you guys obviously are really good at pivoting and that's I mean you could probably teach a class on pivoting <laughs> a lot of businesses they don't know what to do when things change to so just pick the yeah people. and I think we we maybe I don't know if we were at the beginning or not but we had to learn to be Mm -hmm. um, because this industry has changed so much over the 35 years that we've been in it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And the trick on that, right, is to pivot but not sacrifice your brand. Mm -hmm. So you have to decide where are those points where I'm going to anchor my brand because mm -hmm. this is who we are and what we do and how can I pivot the rest of it to interface better with the client. That's the, str that's the strategic part um, yeah. that sometimes takes and, honestly, part of the family business, right? Because that's what we're talking about today is the fact that I've always said I would never want to run a business alone. Cheryl has very different ideas and comes from a different personality type than I do. So we always throw all the ideas on the table and neither one of us are interested in my idea. We're interested in the best idea. Right. Mm -hmm. And because we've always been able to leave the ego at the door and go, okay, let's work this from both angles and see what we come up with. And usually it's a combination of the two. Sometimes it's all her idea. Sometimes it's all what I came up with. But none of us really care about that. Mm -hmm. We're looking for best idea for the business, best idea for the client. Yeah. And that is good stuff. And we've always been able to communicate in a way that no, neither one of us took offense to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you just play devil's advocate and, and start throwing ideas out. And it, neither one of us take that personally. It's We both come to it at a point where where we both know we're trying to do what's best for the business and we're trying to look at all angles and not everyone can communicate that way. Yeah. Um, you know, it, that's difficult for some people, but we've always just laid the cards on the table, been very direct about it. And neither one of us had a problem with that. And, and I think that has been one of the reasons we've been able to, to be straight and honest and come up with the best solutions to a lot of problems. And we've been really good at tapping into all the family talents too. Mm -hmm. since that's what we're talking about today. Right. Mom is 84, still does the books and, and oh, helps with awesome. taxes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our husbands are really good at building and doing things, so a lot of the props and a lot of that kind of thing came from, from yeah, there. Yeah, they're handy guys. Um, I've they got, get tired of us asking. They occasionally, do. They do. Yeah. Um, they're the hardest ones to get motivated. Yes. To get 
Um, I've got a daughter in marketing who has fed us ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, we are open to, you've got a good talent and we could really use what you've got. And, and not to mention our, our roots run deep in Wood County. Our brothers, kids were raised, they were the fifth generation on that farm. So we just mm -hmm. come from a, a, a tight family in this area that didn't hurt, you know, building a business with all you know a family history and and yeah. a lot of people that you know and that kind of thing in the area too i think it's it's been helpful that we that we come from those deep roots here in wood county mm -hmm. have you so have you guys always been kind of like that or was there a dynamic to get to the point where you're at now yeah, we shared a room together growing up for oh, well that, for 14 years so that probably I think helps it's always been like that. <laughs> I, think, I think we worked it out there yeah <laughs> yeah no i think it started that way and i think we just uh, you know have always been willing you know just direct and honest and mm -hmm. and like Kathy said looking for the best outcome so well and yeah. as we made business decisions another thing that I am personally proud of and that I think has kept us in the game this long is that when we're making business decisions that may impact each other I'm gonna make decisions based on what's best for you and you've always made decisions based on what's best for me it was never me first and because of that we've negated all the drama and we've made good business decisions that has helped both of us stay in the game. Now, that's not always easy to do. Again, dynamics are different in different families, but because mm -hmm. we came at it with that kind of attitude, I think the longevity of working an entire lifetime as sisters um, has been really great, mm -hmm. honestly. It's really been a good ride, and I would regret it for a minute. You know, and it's, it's like any other relationship. If you do that, if you are always looking out for the other person, then you're both going to benefit always. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Some advice that I've also given to my kids as they've gotten married, you know, don't make decisions in this relationship based on what's best for you. Always base it on what's best for your partner. And if they're reciprocating and doing the same. Yeah. It takes two people to do that for it to work. Because you got, somebody's got your back all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so fun talking to family businesses like yourself. Cause I just learned so much from, from me, from like how to continue the, second generation of technic right. roofing and how to work together with the cousins and i mean because there's you i just see so many other businesses where they just fall apart mm -hmm. sell sell it away and then it's just like the legacy's gone yeah you know mm -hmm. and i mean you guys you've been here 35 years of building this up i mean you have a beautiful studio here and thank you the beautiful props that your husbands have built <laughs> 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 so i mean it's just it's a great to see stuff like this in a family business can be successful like this. And I'm guessing your kind of like your, you know, marketing to me is like a, it's a conversation around ambition. So you having, you know, a limited, not limited, but limited when it comes to the clients you take on, you obviously only want the right clients. It seems like you're kind of where you want to be and you have, you're in a niche that you like. Like, is there, mm -hmm. is there more growth ahead for Hagemeyer? Is it kind of like you want to stay and keep these relationships and keep building them and stay local and stuff like that? I don't see us expanding past Wood County or the facility that we have. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I think the cool part about being able to extend this ride out past 30 years mm -hmm. is that at some point it's about legacy. And legacy can be creating another generation of folks in that business, but legacy can also be passing along the lessons that you've learned about business, um, the successes, 
and how to navigate all that, passing that on to other folks in business. Yeah. And um, I have found that to be a big part of why I want to keep this going, right? I want to keep this business moving and strong until Cheryl and I are ready to be done because it also gives me a platform in BNI and in other things that I do to mm -hmm. talk with other business folk about how they can extend their own ride and make it more profitable and make it more transparent and make it less drama. So many things. There are so many ways that you can pass that legacy on. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me has been, that means, yes, I will continue to market and keep this business vile and active, you know, so that, mm -hmm. so that I can continue to also share in the community, in the business community, in the chamber, those kind yeah. of places that I can be active and now give back in that way to other folks who are just getting started. And I think one advantage of doing it this long is that, you know, there were years where we were, we were working hard. <laughs> I mean, you know. A lot we, of 2 a.m. Yeah, there was, a, when we were moving yeah. the studio to, on, on to Main Street, I remember we were there till two o'clock in the morning and we'd be back the next morning. We realized that customers would come in and say, how you doing? And we were just like, we're so tired. <laughs> you know? Yeah, stop saying we, that. We said, we said to each other, we have to stop telling people how tired we are. But they're get you know, we were, we put it, we paid our dues. Yeah. But yep. when you get to this point, when you're at 35 years, you don't have to work that hard anymore. You, we still work hard and we, you know, it's really important to us. And, and we, our dad made sure we work, we were hard workers. <laughs> um, but you, you, you know, you don't have to push to that extent. You can really love what you're doing and still have a little bit more of a life outside of the business too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with any business, it, it's important to make sure it's not running you that you're running your business. And one of the advantages of doing it this long is we can do a little bit, you know, we don't have to push quite so hard. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. well, and the other thing that we haven't brought up that's really important to all, to both of us is the, our staff. Our yeah. staff, I've, I've heard the um, term tambly. So uh, a team and a family, mm. and we built the Tambly. We have folks in the back who um, stay with us their entire college career. And I tell them, you're gonna get a small business, a small business education when you work for us, because we all purposely, when we built this building, work in one room, one workroom together. Mm. There aren't separate offices, and Cheryl and I don't break off and go somewhere else and have business discussion. We say, you're gonna hear all the discussion in the business, and you're gonna be part of that conversation and bring ideas to the table because you're all doing different parts of our business and we want to hear what you have to say but this conversation has to stay in the back room mm -hmm. because it's our business discussion and if you can't do that don't work here and honestly everyone has respected that and they have been part of our team and they invest personally in where the business might be going next and that's the kind of environment that really um, creates loyalty mm -hmm. and people don't leave in fact the one gal we've always hired students well our one girl has been here now 10 years because she's like i just, just don't want to leave i just don't want to leave and we're like okay awesome. well then i guess you can stay yeah and our, our most recent employee to leave um took a teaching job graduated with a degree in education and she was actually our first second generation employee her mom had been our very first oh, really? employee <laughs> and so she 
she was here five years and she, you know, has moved on to her real life now, which is, we miss her terribly, but we're glad she has. But <laughs> it's been an advantage being in a college town as well. And we always had a lot to pull from. And a lot of the people that we've hired, we had photographed senior pictures and you just find out that it's the, per we've always said, hire the personality, you can train the rest. Yeah. So we're looking for yeah. that personality that fits with us. And we've been fortunate enough to hire really great people. And many of them we're still good friends with, you know, going back to the very beginning. Um, and Robin with our first employee. So it's been great to build those relationships up. It's always sad to see them go at the end of their college career, mm -hmm. but um, we've just been blessed with a lot of talent and really great people, and we've built some really great friendships along the way. That's that's a really a, a, one of the reasons why we have loved coming to work this long and why we still love coming to work. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, been it really important. Yeah, that, that back room is cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, because right now, you hear it everywhere. If you turn on the news, you'll definitely hear it. But it's labor shortage, right? And, and I don't know, and roofing. Everybody's like, oh, no one wants to work. No one wants to work. But a lot of it is trying to. Well, like, do you have that team buy-in? Like, you guys have the. They're bought in. They they care about the business where it's going. Mm -hmm. They'll do something good when no one's looking because they care. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. We have just been really fortunate, and we know how fortunate we are. It's. Yeah. It's amazing, actually. We are. We have just been blessed with really great employees up till this day. I mean, we haven't had that issue knock on wood <laughs> but it's yeah it's made what we've done for over the past 35 years just that much more fulfilling yeah and so if you're like somebody that is trying to get that buy-in right they're, they're trying to develop the, a team like maybe they don't have one yet or they're trying to get that buy-in what, what are some things like some pieces of advice for them as they go through that understand who your person is and why they come to work People have different whys. If you don't know the why of every employee, then you can't manage them. So the first thing you need to know is find out who they are and understand them as a person and get to know them. Take them to a few lunches and really get to know them personally. Spend some time because what I'm hearing from workers in other realms where, where I talk uh, to lots of different employees from lots of different places, what I'm hearing is what's most valuable to them is an employer who puts their hand on their shoulder, knows what's going on at home, mm -hmm. and says, how are you doing? So I think that might be part of what we're missing in the industry day. I think that you know wages and all those things definitely play a part, but people yeah. want to be known, and they want to be cared for, and they want to be cared about. And asking their ideas, letting them know that they have value, that what they are doing, you know, you might have somebody that's answering the phone at the, at the front, that they need to understand that you value what they do and that their part is important to developing the mm -hmm. end result to the client. And sometimes I think we forget to say what you're doing is important, you are important to us, and we value what you do. Those have huge, are huge ways of building loyalty and buy-in. Mm -hmm. And it might sound like the soft, you know, the soft stuff. Um, but I think that is what the American worker is really looking for. And I think it'll go a long way to creating yeah. loyalty. And I think we've always been good about really being flexible um, and letting them put their lives first and their, their family and, and the things that are important to them first in their life. We have an employee today who has two sick kids, so she's not here. And that's mm -hmm. never a problem. That's where she should be. We don't want her to be here, you know, yeah. if that's the case. Um, but I think we've always been flexible, tried to work with their schedules, um, understood that, that they have lives too, and really that has to be the most important thing. 
and we support that and um, you know what if you support them they support you more than you could ever imagine yeah, yeah I think you definitely said some that people might just not even hear but it was that their lives are changing too like they're so like their north star what's most important to them could change in the next year or in five right. years or if they don't have kids now then they have them it changes right. so you definitely the flexibility we're very flexible as well I, I believe but I mean a lot of the people I talk to they're just like oh, no one wants to work and I'm like well, what are you doing like are, do you we have a point system well, okay well maybe that's maybe you should think about what you're doing with the point system and, mm -hmm. you yeah. know it's so yeah we just always treated everyone here as family mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just Kathy and I, I I really do feel like a lot of the people that we have been fortunate enough to work with are part of our family um, and you know we'll continue the, those relationships forever so it's okay. it's putting each other first and it's just respect and trust and those things are so important money matters but a lot of those other things really matter more and, and what about like uh, like micromanaging people like how do you guys mm -hmm. what's your management style do you micromanage do you just give them a task and I think that's one of the great is. things about working here is that we, Kathy always does a really good job. We have, you know, training manuals. Mm -hmm. the, whenever someone leaves, they update the manual. So it's the current way of doing it. There's always a way to find everything. But we take time to train. We don't, we never bring somebody in and just say, do your job. We take a lot of time to make sure they know what they're doing. And people learn differently. So you need to, to be able to train differently and, and mm -hmm. pick up on how they learn. Um, but once they know it, it's their gig and they we don't micromanage at all I don't okay. think we they no. know their responsibilities they know the time frame they have to have it completed and everybody seems to do a really good job with that I agree and I think that's part of the part of what they appreciate mm -hmm. about and I tell them that in the interview you're gonna get a lot of detailed training in the beginning so that you are very comfortable comfortable and confident doing your job mm -hmm. that's why we're gonna do that part but once that is, you're in charge of your area. Mm -hmm. And I may come back in and ask you how we're doing on a deadline or where a certain product is, but you're in charge. You're in charge of your supplies. You're in charge of keeping it up and organizing it. It's your gig. And they all have buy-in because that's their area. And, and they I know think they're running. That's just such a valuable skill to learn too, right? That you are self-motivated in that way. We have had staff members. We have had parents. We have had grandparents come back and say, you know what, one of the best things that ever happened was you hiring my kid. They learned so much while we're there, they were there and they had a great time doing it. And it's just, yeah, I think we're just, and, and granted that's hiring a certain personality type probably that we're picking out when we yeah. meet people. Um, but if I think if you treat them like family and you they know what their expectations are, most people are, are really willing and ready and happy to jump in and do their job and make sure things are done the best they can be in the time frame they're supposed to be done in so mm -hmm. yeah oh, I, I think it's just pride some people they there's no way you could mm -hmm. do it better than i can you know so mm -hmm. they just and then it happens and like oh i guess uh, yeah i was talking to my uncle and my dad and i had them sit down and my uncle said he never thought there's any way his brother could put a roof on without him there <laughs> and then right. like 30 years later, here we are, you know, neither one of them are putting roughs down and it's still fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So yeah. it's just, you know, I, it, I'm, I'm happy to hear that's how you guys do it because I've found that when you give people like a long rope and you show them how to do it and you're like, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're always going to make mistakes. Sure. That's, how, that's how I've always learned is making right. mistakes. And I think Kathy and I understand that and, and expect that and 
you know, as long as we find a way to correct that mistake and that they learn from it, then even better, right? You do remember, if, once you've made that mistake, yeah. you really remember it. You don't do it again. Well, especially if you were the one fully accountable for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you understand. Mm -hmm. There's no blame yeah. in anyone else. For and I think we've just done a good job of, like Kathy said, leaving our egos at the door and um, just really wanting to ha have fun at what we're doing at the same time. Mm -hmm. so. And that gives you the opportunity in that teaching moment to sit down and say, okay, this happened. How can we build a process so that mm -hmm. this never happens again? Mm -hmm. And honestly, a lot of what we are enjoying now with not having to put in quite so many hours and do so many things is we have continually worked on our process, continually worked at how can we make sure that this never happens again? And we implement that new part of the process. Right. So fewer and fewer mistakes happen, fewer and fewer um, bad things are, right. are going to happen in a day's time. Mm -hmm. It just makes working here easier and less hours because you're not fixing stuff. Yeah. When we switched from film to digital, one of the things we did was had a process engineer from our lab um, come in and basically on this table, we wrote down every single step of, of the process we were discussing and on a post-it note and laid all the post-it notes down and then started moving those post-it notes around to find the, the smartest, mm -hmm. most efficient, most cost-effective way to do every process that we wanted to to happen. Yeah. So that that was a really smart thing to do at that point, I think, and made sure that we were going into digital, doing it the best that we could. And and then you you know, as long as you're willing to continue to move those post-it notes if something's not working right, yeah. then um, yeah, I think looking at those processes and no matter what that is, be it shooting or in or marketing or in the back room or whatever. Yeah, just working on the business, not in it. Sometimes it's hard to mm -hmm. look up. Mm -hmm. and Yeah. Because you know, a lot of times you'll find, at least I've trained someone to take over what I was doing, and then there was something that goes wrong, and I'm like, all right, let's figure out why this went wrong, and then it comes back to something like I never addressed, or I, yeah. I never made the process. I just did it. Like, right. I just knew what to do, and they, didn't, they don't know what to do unless you mm -hmm. tell them. There you go. So yep. um, you always got to work on, <laughs> one, on our, the business. Our staff member that's been here 10 years jokes that one of the reasons she's not leaving is that she doesn't want to go through and update that manual and teach, and teach the next person how to do everything she does so she's just gonna stay that's good not, not to mention she's part of the family so that's, that's hilarious i still want to update the manual i'll stay right. well I, I really appreciate you guys being on the podcast um Oh, it's fun. Thanks it for being here. It was great. I mean, the Family Business Podcast, episode 10, will definitely be, in, once we get going some more, we'll, we will come back on <laughs> maybe the Hegemeyer 40th anniversary. There oh, there you go. <laughs> there, awesome. there should we'll be, be one. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, thank you again That's for being awesome. on the podcast. Uh, thanks for making thanks us part of it, Ben. It. Congratulations on 10. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>